every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Ed McDonald, CRO at Asana, a software company that helps teams orchestrate their work from small projects to strategic initiatives. In this episode, Ed shares with us Asana's vision for tackling work automation, insight into their work innovation lab, and why attribution for attribution's sake is meaningless. Ed also talks about the importance of treating pipeline like a team sport and how to effectively run a pipe council. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Ed McDonald, CRO at Asana, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and I am joined by a special guest, very special guest. Ed, how are you? I'm great, Ian. How are you? Excited to have you on the show. We've done podcasts and in shows and series past. We're bringing it for the first time to Pipeline Visionaries. Super excited to dig into it. You have a new role. Tell us a little bit about your new role at Asana. Yeah. Hey, thanks. It's so good to be here. We have done this a couple of times and every time I get a chance to collaborate and spend time with you, it it makes my day. So thanks for having me. I just joined Asana, which is just a wonderful company in the collaborative work management space as their global head of revenue in August after a wonderful 10 and a half year career in time at Salesforce. So it's it's new beginnings here in 2023 for me, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're biased because we're Asana customers. And so we, we use Asana to make this show. We use Asana to make 65 B2B podcasts. So, you know, we're biased, but it's such a cool company. It's such a cool product. And it's really exciting that, you know, you're, you're in, in charge of revenue. I'm curious, just like coming into the job, what, how has it, how has it been in early days? It has been, oh my God, it's been a blast. Like that's the best way to frame it. It's one of those opportunities where you you just said it like every every person I talked to when I said, you know, hey, what are you doing, Ed? I'm going to go. I'm going to Asana. The first thing I hear out of people is we love Asana. Like whether people talk about it for personal use or professional use, I get a lot of love for the brand and a lot of love for the company. And that was that's been so much fun to just be a part of that type of community. I'm learning a lot. And I'm, I'm in a build mode. And so like that to me, is just so much fun and such a blast. I'm meeting amazing people, both at Asana, as well as with our customers and some of our partners. And I'm getting to, I'm, I'm getting to stretch and, and, and do different things again, which from a career perspective has been, you know, very fulfilling. All right, let's get into our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with, in the nest, are we not? This is where we go and feel honest and trusted and you share those deepest, darkest revenue secrets. 
We know a little bit about Asana, but who are your customers? Who are the folks that you're you're focused on selling to? Yeah, our customers, it's it's interesting when you look at it. Our 46% of the global Fortune 2000 are Asana customers. So our customers range from all different types of companies, whether it's the London Stock Exchange, whether it's some of the large professional services organizations, whether it's it's companies in healthcare, like our, our customers stretch all different types of, of lands and industries. And they range from very small businesses all the way up to the large enterprises. That's what makes it interesting and exciting, Ian, is this next phase of automation, if, if you kind of look at the, the stretch of automation that happened, whether starting with sales automation, then service automation, then marketing automation, like work automation is here. And, and Asana tackles that problem and tackles that problem at scale. Our customers are people, like you just said, you run your pod using Asana, right? Just think about how you framed it that way. I didn't, I didn't ask you to frame it the way. That's the way you framed it. When I talk to customers, they'll tell us, we run our campaign on Asana when I talk to marketers. Like we run our campaign engine, we run our creative process. When I talk to CFOs, we run our SEC filings process. When I talk to CHROs, we run our employee onboarding and talent acquisition on Asana. Like that's how customers frame it to me is that they're running these massive processes using Asana as the tool that helps them do it with productivity, with efficacy and with efficiencies. And I think that's really cool the way customers both describe their love for Asana, but also talk about what they use it for. Yeah. And obviously with those different types of roles, obviously, you know, so many different people within the company can buy it. So many people can buy it, you know, they can swipe their credit card and buy it, or you could go into a more of an enterprise sale and get it for the entire organization. I forget the the step, but but basically there's there's so many different teams that have Asana in one place and and not you know not others. So it's a really unique sort of challenge to look at from a CRO, I'm sure. How do you think about structuring, you know, your team to get into those buying committees when they're so different? So it's interesting how you just frame that, right? Everybody can use Asana, therefore. How do we think about running a go-to-market organization when you can solve every, you know, lots of problems for lots of people? And I think about that from a focus perspective. How do you create focus for your account executives, for your company? We spend a lot of time on our ideal customer profile and our ideal candidate, like our, our, our ideal customer persona. And when I think about like CM, we just talked a little bit, right? CMOs, marketers. How do they drive their creative to campaign to execution process? A CHRO, how do you do onboarding and talent acquisition and talent lifecycle at scale? If you're a CFO, how do you think about driving all of your regulatory compliance and reporting processes using a tool like Asana? And I bring that back to how do you structure? You have to be really good at at partnering with your product marketing teams and with your product teams on developing that ICP, getting very, very focused on that ICP. And that's how we're thinking about it at Asana is how do we really get very focused around our ICP and win? It's not just the hearts and minds, but win the the, the use case and, and show the productivity that you can gain from the use case. Where, where, where Asana is a little bit different and what makes it so exciting is we can then connect it horizontally. So we are one of the only technologies that can then bring that all together and show you how work is happening across an organization. 
Mm-hmm. And um, how is your resource allocation? Do you have enough resources to deliver on the projects that are on tap for completion over the course of the next 30, 60, 90 days? How do you then bring it to life that actually shows you how your human capital is being utilized and whether or not it is driving the right productivity across the enterprise? That to me is like, yes, you can win the CMO and the CHR and the CFO, but now you can also help solve a CIO's problem by understanding how work is it, how you're resourcing, how your human capital and how you are delivering against what is important to the company. Yeah, I think that you're sort of in that space where, and I think that there's been a lot of tools like this with like shadow IT type tools where it's like people, a business unit just likes it, they go buy it, you know, they, they, this is what they prefer. Hey, I use my last company sort of a thing, which is all well and good. But with, with Asana, you have this opportunity to say, hey, but if there's other parts of the organization that also start using this, we can look at you like holistically as a business, like sit down with your COO, look at, you know, operationally how things are being done. So by having it in more departments, it actually increases the use case and increases like the quality of the data, the quality of the information for the enterprise. There's like other like technologies where it's like, it doesn't get exponentially better the more people use the software, right? It's not just like, you know, like another software where it's like, hey, there's more people on it. Yeah, that's cool, but it doesn't give you more data and transparency in the entire business, whereas this shows you how the entire org is working, which is obviously crazy valuable. Yeah, and and when I go back to that thesis of work is the next stage of automation, when you just think about processes that have gotten automated across enterprises, there's not a lot of there, there's not a lot of software categories that can connect a CEO's vision and objectives for the company down to the human capital resource planning that has to happen at the CIO level, plus solve really important problems for each of the CEO's direct reports. I think that's a like, oh my God, what a great problem to be at, at the forefront of. And, and Asana is one of several companies that get to do it and get to do it at scale. And, and it's one of the reasons why I love the category, because I really do believe CEOs, their direct reports, and then CIOs are trying to connect. Our company objective is this. We want to grow, acquire, retain, be more sustainable, whatever those, those big objectives are. And they want their employees, they want their human capital to say, I feel connected to that objective. I feel like my work matters. I feel like I'm, I have a voice. I feel like I can be productive and, and successful here. And then you have a, a CIO's office that can look at it and say, we are, we are driving productivity at scale with our human capital and with our employees because I can see the work happening and I can see how it is flowing through the enterprise. Wow, like that's, a, that's big. When you came in and you were looking at sort of the, doing that ICP, doing their persona uh, analysis, looking at all that stuff, seeing how different these are, thinking about how do I budget for this? You're like, well, if I'm budgeting to a CFO and to a CMO and to a CIO and to all these people where like all these different people live in all different places, they consume all different information. They're very, it's a very different sales cycle for all of these different people. How did you think about strategically like going after those personas from a revenue standpoint? Yeah, I, I still think we're early days. If you look at, at Asana and even others that are in our space, I think we, we've all done a really good job of acquiring users and acquiring companies to do differentiated project work, task work, portfolio work. 
now it's it's we're all at this really interesting inflection point of well how do you scale and and that's that's where i'm trying to spend some time especially in kind of my first 100 days in is what does scale look like and how do you put that that type of focus in terms of scaling a company that has been wildly successful up until this point but is at an inflection point to now to now continue that growth path from what is traditionally product led efforts to much more B2B enterprise software motions. And that, that's a really interesting chasm to cross. Yeah. I want to dig into that a bunch, like, you know, coming in, obviously this is your background. You spent a lot of time at Salesforce doing a very B2B enterprise play using that playbook. Obviously you're going to come in with a lot of that expertise with that as your remit here. How do you look at an organization that has a bunch of that really strong PLG motion that obviously want that stuff to keep happening and build yeah. out that enterprise muscle? There's a bunch of organizations that that are, you know, looking at doing this now. And I think it's like very timely to be chatting about it. Yeah. The first thing, what I've tried to do at the beginning here, Ian, is celebrate it and recognize it. It's hard to build a, a self-service motion as mature and as evolved as Asana and what Asana has done. And you have to celebrate it because it is absolutely part of our growth story as we continue in, in our journey. It's now connecting it to business outcomes. And how do you connect that to the business outcomes of a CMO? How do you connect it to the business outcomes of a CFO? How do you help a CEO realize corporate objectives down to each and every one of their employees through the work that they're doing. And that's that to me is a really fun problem to solve and one that is very solvable. So I the product-led motions that we have here at Asana are really successful. And not many companies have been able to grow at the scale that Asana has in a B2B software lens with that type of motion. Now it's connecting that through the through the inflection point and really going into some of our customers here and letting our customers know that we're here for them and that we have a relentless pursuit for their success as well. And how do we bring that together where they see, like you just said, we run our pot off of it. I'll keep coming back to that since you opened with it. It's how do we help Caspin like look at it and say, how do we not just run one, but how we run all of our podcasts? How does that motion, how do we create productivity for all the stakeholders? How do we connect the work that's happening so that we can do it better as we go forward. The other thing I think I, I really love about this, and I've seen this at scale over my career, change management's hard. Asana represents a way to do change management with technology as an enabler. And that's unique because if you change the way that you want to deliver a podcast, you can add that into the project. And now you're not gathering five all hands calls with all the stakeholders saying, here's how we're going to do it now. It's driven through the technology itself as an enabling lift. And that to me is really unique. When you could do change management at scale with technology as an enabler, that is something that I think is really impressive from an automation perspective. So back to your question, just on product led versus that evolution. I think this is where you start to see that evolution is when you can unlock use cases and unlock business outcomes for enterprises that might be using your technology for a certain, for, for something, but how do you show them how to drive business outcomes from it is the real opportunity. All right, let's get to our next segment, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. It's where you open up the playbook and talk about those tactics that help you win. How do you spend your money? What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items, Ed? 
<laughs> well, we are we're big in paid media, product led. So paid media is a channel that that we have to continue to invest in. We are looking into other ways to connect with customers, and so I I would be very it would be hard for me to cut event and that type of spend that we can connect with customers around. And then something I'm learning as a CRO, Ian, is enabling technologies to help your AEs be successful, right? Yeah. So the revenue technology stack, which is something when you work at Salesforce, it's real easy. Everything's in Salesforce. And that's a right. true statement, right? And and by the way, it's what makes them such a wonderful company on how they drive the success. Not everybody has that luxury and you have to find other ways to drive productivity and drive success of your field organization. And so that would be another place that, that I'm spending time in investing. But paid media and event spender too that I am very religious about right now. Well, and I think it speaks to like relationships mattering and like not to say that in a PLG motion, they, they don't matter. Of course they matter. Of course, customer stories matter and all those things matter, but it matters in a very different way. And it, it's very different from that versus like, you know, the executive briefing center and, you know, all this like massive play where you're like, hey, you have 15 different teams at your company that use Asana. Like we need to, you know, figure out a way to have a conversation that, we can drive more value if there's those other seven teams are on there and that sort of thing. It's such a unique, you know, position there to have that stuff. Or our entire marketing org runs on Asana. Like, why doesn't everyone else? And like, that's just the type of AE that you have to have to have those conversations. The type of like, you know, leadership, I'm sure has to be very different who's in those calls. Whereas, you know, not having, you know, with a PLG motion, like, or even, you know, having some enterprise accounts, but but not not as many as you you want to have you know here in two years that developing those muscles I'd imagine is is something that obviously you know so well from from your background but how you invest your marketing dollars how you invest into those relationships is is very very senior level and very executive level and just very different from probably the way that money was invested for the previous decade yeah it's so you you mentioned two things in that that I have a lot of passion about. How do you take the success of your customer and the success of your account executive? And those are the two most important relationships you can have as an yeah. organization. So in you know, everything customer out. So how do we help a customer find their success with our technology, with our organization, and with the way that we help them adopt and drive value? And how do you help your selling organization and your account executive organization? Be a trusted partner to those customers and focus on the success of your account executive. And if those are the two most important entities and relationships that we can build off of, you drive a lot of success. By the way, that's where Salesforce was incredibly successful. I mean, everything is about the customer. Everything is about their field organization. What about something that you, you don't want to be investing in or, or something that you, you don't want to spend money or time investing in over the course of next year? Ooh, that's a harder question, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's cuttable yet. Yeah, I don't know if it, nothing's cuttable. I, I do believe that we, you know, every organization has to think through what are the metrics that are important to them. And, and if you look at us, it is about our, our entry into the enterprise. And so mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we are investing in ways that we are advancing our ability to win the enterprise at scale, win enterprise customers, 
and be a customer first organization. And, mm -hmm. and there will absolutely be some things that fall off. There will be redirection of spend. There will be, I, I don't know if it's about spending less or differently spending what you have inside your budget allocation. And so I don't know that I'm smart enough a hundred days in as to what we will turn off, but I do know that we want to make sure that we're investing in ways that we help our field organization be successful while still acquiring users and customers at the same rate we've been acquiring them through our product-led efforts. And those will converge at some point and you'll have to make different trade-off decisions. Yeah, it's interesting to think about what are those levers. And it was interesting you started with at the beginning of the conversation with looking at our SCP, looking at our, our personas. And I think that that's the thing that people, we just had to do a fantastic episode talking just about, just about that, just about working on uh, ICP and operationalizing that and how important that is and how important it is to get every single seller on the same page, to get every single marketer on the same page around your ICP, around the personas that you're going after. What's the order that we're going after them? Who's the most important ones? Like, where do we need to win? Where do we you know, win and expand and all that stuff? I know you're in the throes of all that sort of planning right now, but, but it's so, that's, I think that the, the key there is to start with those. Otherwise you are going to just do random acts of marketing, random acts of, of sales, just chucking money at different things that might not be, you know, layering up to that that key persona that you know that you need to win. BVC had a really interesting article out a couple of weeks ago about churn and how to reduce churn. And the entire article was about getting your ICP right. Yeah, you, right. You acquire, right. you acquire the right customer and you, you help that customer adopt and help drive a business outcome for your customer. The likelihood of churn goes into single digits. Yeah. Right. And so the, the, the work on ICP, like when you talk about where do I, where, where would I prefer investing money? It's investing in getting the ICP right, in really defining it, in helping our AEs understand it, helping our customers understand it, helping our marketing teams really develop around it. Like when, when I talked to Shannon, our, our, our CMO, we spent a lot of time on ICP and what does ICP mean and how do we get just really, really good at it? If you get your ICP right, everything flows. Your customers are more successful. So to me, getting ICP right is all about customer success. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I, I always talk about in marketing is, is sort of like fight where you can win. Like what are the things that only you can do that none of your competitors can do? And whether that's from a marketing standpoint or from a product standpoint. And one of the things that you all have, which is so cool, is you have all this data of how people are working in their organizations and like arming your sellers with that information. Like, did you know I can teach you something about your business or did you know CFO that I can teach you something about your marketing organization? Like that stuff is so valuable to be able to, or teach your CMO about their organization so they can tell their CFO, like, hey, by the way, this is, you know, this is how I can, you know, save 6% and actually add, 4% more pipeline or something, you know, whatever that thing is, that stuff is, is so, such an advantageous position to be in. We have something called the Work Innovation Lab. It's, it's led by a Stanford professor, Rebecca Hines. She's incredible. And she's developed a way where we can visually show you how work is happening and connecting at your enterprise through like mm. the way the dots move and the way you can see the clusters and who's working well versus who's not working well all through a graphical a graphical rendering, which is really, really cool. We were sitting with a top professional services organization 
And we showed them and they're like, can you show us this regionally? And so we went to the mm. next slide. It's like, here's how, here's how the United States versus Germany versus the UK is clustering. And they pointed out, they're like, well, how do we help this one region? And the region was Germany. They're like, how do we help Germany get more connected with their work than what we're seeing in the United States right now? What are those levers that we can go and pull? And how can we work with your team to drive work differently in this region versus the United States? And I was like, wow, like all through a graphical representation based on what you just said, like our work innovation lab is doing some really incredible things on helping companies understand how work is manifesting inside of their enterprises. How are you thinking about customer stories? Obviously that being a huge part of Salesforce's go-to-market is getting those trailblazer stories out in front of everyone. And with the enterprise, it's so important to get those stories out. What do you, how are you thinking about it? I think we have to do more of it. It's <laughs> like, that's another area of investment is how do we tell the stories of our, you know, our story through the lens of our customer. And it's what Salesforce and some other companies just do so brilliantly and so well is they tell their story through the eyes and the lens of a customer. We were just able to do that. We had two customer events, one in New York and one in London. We showcased IPG as a, you know, media brands as a a great customer story. There's there's a great video out there telling the story of IPG. And we need to do more of that. And we need our customers to tell our stories. And we need to show how work is is both being automated, but how work is flowing. And when you think about AI, how we're giving AI a seat at the table with human capital, not not independent of it. Yeah, you know, what we say here at Caspian, and we've we've done a customer story with Asana, so we could maybe link it up in the show notes. But we say like, if it doesn't happen, Asana, it doesn't happen, right? It's, it, harkening back to the old Salesforce thing that everyone would yeah. say, you know, like if you don't put it in Salesforce, yeah. it didn't happen sort of thing. And the reason why I started doing that, why I started sort of instilling that with our team is because from a marketing perspective or, you know, I mean, like either Caspian's marketing that we do or the marketing that we do on behalf of our customers through building podcasts was because so many things in creative work like have a task and they have a subtask and they have all those things. And we built this like beautiful template that we use. We, we have a show launch template and we have, you know, episode templates and all that stuff. And when you can tweak those things and like get it to, you know, an 80 to 90% solution and you can, you know, drag and drop a new producer or whatever and look at this, like this thing. And then you can tweak it for certain use cases. And then you can say, well, this show is actually like a narrative show. So it needs to have this type of template and that stuff if you're not putting the data in, you're not going to be able to get the data out. But you could go back and look and you're like, hey, you know, it was supposed to do this. But then there are all these added tasks every time we do this. And it's like, oh, maybe we need to make a template for that. And just like how, you know, how work is 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 flowing in your organization to your point. But if you don't sort of have that that underlying sort of, of mantra and the understanding that you can, you know, operationalize those things and you can can figure it out for your next campaign or whatever. When I interviewed back in the day, the old team of, of Asana, it's like 115 point Asana project that for launching a campaign, it's like, here it is. I'm like, dang, you got to give me that, you know? And like, that's the stuff that I love. Like that's the stuff where it's so actionable and getting those stories out and like how people use it because that's what we're all looking for. We're all looking at our peers. How do we do this? That's why we make this show. Like how are our peers doing this stuff? So take that again, so that this is how you launch a show. Just take that for any creative or content process. There is a template for every content process that exists. 
across many enterprises. Now, if you want to add something or subtract something, again, I go back to the change management that can happen through enable technologies, right? If you want to add, you want to take that cluster of five or six tasks that you see happening and say, this probably should just be two. Let's take this cluster, create two new tasks, put them into the project, and now disperse that to everybody that's running the show. You just create a change and change management through technology, again, versus putting people on a phone saying, we're going to change this and here's how we're going to change this. It's all enabled through the stakeholders. And I think about like a London Stock Exchange that's thinking about research and how they run research and their research through through Asana and how that's all templated going out into mm-hmm. their community. Or again, I think about IPG and how they run all of their media and all of their different brands, leveraging Asana in the creative and content process. Like all of those are great stories to go tell and to be a part of. We have a, a major, major sporting association that leverages Asana across both their the association itself, but then in some of the member clubs as well. And they just built a technology where, and this is the coolest stuff ever, by the way. So they've created a way when you walk into a stadium, your face is the ticket. Oh, that's amazing. That's so it's incredible. Cool. And they tested it at one of their clubs. The entire process was run on Asana. Just oh, the, develop, the development of the tech, the rollout of the tech, the testing of the tech was all done through Asana, connecting both the association, the technology organization, and the and the participating club in making sure that that was a successful launch. Let's talk pipeline here. Obviously, it's pipeline visionaries. I know you're 100 days in, so you can't you can't give us all the secrets there. But you've built many, many pipelines worth lots of dinero previously in your career. Can you give us some secrets that you got, some things that other revenue leaders can do to more holistically look at their pipeline to drive some results here in in a pretty challenging technology environment right now? Yeah, I spent a lot of time as do all of my peers that, that do this function on pipeline in I can say what where I think that it get, it gets done well is when it's a partnership across all your stakeholders. You have to have an ecosystem internally at your organization that that treats it almost as a council, like it's a stakeholder mm-hmm. council meeting. You have marketing, so demand generations, it has a seat at that table. PMM has a seat at that table for content and and how we think about content inside of all the channels. Uh, sales programs, how are we enabling our account executives to be successful? Sales development, whether that be inbound or outbound, how do we think about the pipe mechanics? And then strategy. Pipeline to me is a team sport. It is not one person. It is not one function. It is such a, it is, it, it has to be the highest performing team in your organization at cross-functional scale, because nobody works for each other. Everybody's in their own worlds, but they have to come together as a team and solve the, you know, a problem that every B2B enterprise software company faces, which is, do we have enough pipeline to go into the market to be successful? And so I think the tricks are one, measure the right things. So what is, what are your demand generation funnel mechanics and metrics? Okay, great which content is performing, not performing. Okay. Mm-hmm. How much of your pipeline is generated through sales development versus marketing versus the AE themselves? And what do you want those to be? Because every organization is a little bit different as to how much they want each of those stakeholders to develop into their pipeline. 
if it's if you're not producing at the right scale or the right coverage model, why? Like interrogating the why is equally as important as getting all hopped up as to why not. And too mm-hmm. many companies and too many people I have found spend time on, well, why isn't something happening? Like versus going in and saying, okay, it's not happening. What can we do differently to actually produce a different result? Because you get caught up on poking on sales leaders and saying, hey, you're not hitting your pipeline metrics. Like, why? What's wrong? And and that that friction, while good and has to happen, you also have to be really open to interrogating, is there something about our messaging? Is there something about our content? Is there something about the way, the tools that we're using, whether it's you could be using tools like an outreach or a LinkedIn sales navigator or a gong. Like there's so many different tools available to help pipeline or a qualified, right? What are the, the tools that you're using to go and drive pipeline through all of your different channels that are available? So to me, the interrogation of it in a healthy way with everybody having a seat at the table and being a team sport is is the way that I I have found to be very successful running a pipe council. How do you, I love that you call it the pipe council. That's great. How do you think about attribution? I know this is something that every single marketer hears and they, they cringe at, not that attribution is, is cringy, but just how it's done at every organization. And how, how do you think about it? Oh, I think we should have attribution, right? I go back to attribution for attribution's sake isn't very helpful. Attribution for measuring what's working versus what's not and having a mechanism for interrogating that and saying, okay, it's working. What can we do more of? It's not working. Where is the problem and how do we unlock the problem? That to me is what attribution is. If attribution is simply used for a quote unquote ROI on marketing, it's it's while important, the most important thing is to figure out, do I unlock more budget to make something go faster? Or do I have a problem that I have to go and figure out how to unstick it? That's where attribution comes in, is is much more interesting to me than ROI. Not to suggest ROI isn't important. But no, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, that it's, like, it's one of the things that I think like, you know, we've talked a little bit on the show about in, in episodes past, but you have people who are like very draconian in the way that they think about their attribution model. And they're like, well, we, you know, we're only doing first touch or we're, you know, or whatever. And, you know, maybe that works for their business. But then you start to look at like other types of, of, you know, metrics. Like, well, for example, it's like, hey, we've had, you know, a thousand people download our eBooks, but those aren't turning into deals. And it's like, yeah, but a thousand people are engaging with your stuff. And like, perhaps there's other things that we could be doing with that population of people, or maybe they're the wrong population of people, but like, there's something that's valuable in, in, in that and of itself, even if it's not, Hey, this isn't a 10 X ROI initiative, but like we're driving like engagement in this stuff. So things like that, that I think if you're like, well, it's only a first touch model and those aren't driving, that's, you know, it's been three months and we haven't, we haven't seen the ROI. Like that's where I think, like you said, it's just attribution for attribution sake. Yeah. And, and most B2B enterprise software companies need to get to multi-touch. Like that, that's, you just, you have to have a multi-touch attribution model so that you understand how your content is flowing and how the engagement across the funnel is, is happening. But to me, that is, it, it, to me, that's a what's working, what's not, and how do you invest versus how do you pull back? Like that's where that conversation comes in and, and has much more scale and productivity than just 
are we spending money in the right place? Any other pieces of advice for uh, for marketing leaders listening? You know, hey, a new CRO just came in. How to how to partner? What are they looking for? How to work with them successfully? Yeah, very quickly educate. Like help help us understand where we currently are. So like what's working with customers, what's not. Help us quickly understand how the funnel has been performing unbiased, like we're coming in so fresh eyes and so open-minded, like feed into that, feed into things that have been on your mind, tell us, because we may just have a different, like a different opinion, or we may have a different insight that we can bring to the table to collaborate on that helps you as a marketer get to where you want to go faster as well. I, it's the best advice I can give is just leverage our eagerness to be successful as quickly as possible. And that relationship between us and you is so critical, especially in the first 100, 120 days to just get off and running as fast as we can together. Yeah. One thing that just kind of struck me in our conversation here as you, as you were talking about the importance of ICP and personas and all that is like just giving that like breakdown persona by persona. How are we perceived? How are we looking? What's the level of market penetration? Jennifer Johnson back in the day, she, she on, I think it was on this podcast said where she talks about how the, the CMO is, is the chief market officer. And if you can bring like insights from the market to yeah. the CRO and be like, this is how the market is broadly behaving. This is how we fit, you know, within that. And there, here are the opportunities. I just love that phrasing. Yeah. And it's everything from here's how the analysts perceive us. Here's how our customers perceive us. Here's how your selling organization perceives yeah. us. Like those are all the stakeholders. Here's what we're hearing. Here's what we've seen. And, and bringing those insights early days to somebody that, that starts in a head of revenue role like I did. Insights are what we're looking for the most in the first sprint in helping to develop our point of view on on where to spend time. There's so many different places I can spend my time. What is going to have the the largest impact in the shortest time frame? And that's where I think the relationship with marketing comes in very quickly. All right, let's get to our final segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like how quickly qualified.com helps companies generate pipeline tap in your greatest asset your website to identify your most valuable visitors and instantly start sales conversations quick and easy just like these questions ed go to qualified.com to learn more ed are you ready for quick hits i can't wait it's my favorite time with you ian <laughs> number one what's a hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume Oh, I would say maybe my relatability. I'm the, the son of a nurse and a, and, a, and a police officer from the 80s and 90s. And I just, I can relate to a lot of different experiences and a lot of different people out there. And I don't know that I would ever show up on a CV. My mom was a nurse too. Shout out all the nurses. Do you have a favorite book, podcast, or TV show that you're checking out? So non-business, I'm reading the James Carr series right now, which was just made into a show, The Terminal List on Amazon Prime. Oh, it's cool. a yeah. former Navy SEAL. It's been a fun series to read and just kind of get lost in. A book that I read recently was the David Grohl autobiography. The way that he talked about leadership without talking about leadership was my favorite part of the book on just how he navigated everything through Nirvana, how he got there, how he took risks and chances in his life and where he's brought himself to where he is today, how he made the first Foo Fighters record all by himself. He played every instrument. He sung every vocal because he didn't have a band yet. Like 
I, I just the the leadership lessons in that book to me are are hidden but really brilliant. That's awesome. What would be your advice for a first time CRO? Oh, deeply listen, but yet act on things that you trust your gut against. And it's been wonderful having you on the show. For listeners, you can go to asana.com. Obviously, so many marketers are already using Asana, but if you're listening right now and you're not, you should go check it out because it's great. Ed, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? I would just plug that this is one of the most wonderful podcasts out there. And spending time with you is always, always a pleasure. And I always really enjoy our time together. Ian. So thank you for having me. Thanks again to our friends at qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to qualified.com to learn more.